the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. And God said to Abraham that to him and his descendants, he will give this land. And so by digging this well and then planting a grove of tamarisk trees, Abraham was communicating. Abraham was saying, I believe you, God. I believe your promises to me. I believe you've given this land to me and to my descendants after me. My family will live here. This will be their land. This will be their home. And my children's children will enjoy the shade of these trees one day, long after I'm gone. The idea of planting trees, not for yourself, but for others, is a fascinating idea. For those of you listening that have any experience as orchardists, you know that when you first receive that nursery whip from the fruit tree nursery, it's hard to imagine anything coming from it. And in fact, it takes about seven years for fruit to be edible. Our lives are much like the tamarisk trees in today's message. We plant ourselves here and there and build for the next generation, all while hoping to leave a lasting impact, a legacy. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 21 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Abimelech's got good reason here to be concerned about Abraham dealing falsely. He's got a history. Even so, people today, they get outraged. Doesn't really seem to matter what the truth is. It doesn't really seem to matter what the facts are, what the history is. People still get outraged. But Abraham, he chose not to be hurt. He chose not to be insulted by Abimelech's request. You you can choose just not to be insulted when there's really nothing to be insulted by. He said, sure, I'll I'll swear. I'll make an oath. I'll enter a covenant with you. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. You know, since we're talking about dealing falsely with each other, let me bring up something. And Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well that Abimelech's servants had stolen from Abraham's family. You know, water is very scarce in Israel, even to today. And that's especially true in the desert areas of Israel, down near Beersheba. Uh, Water is life, right? In the desert especially, water is life. Wells were one of the only ways people could obtain water in the desert. Another way was by digging cisterns to collect whatever little bit of rainfall fell in the desert. 
Uh, so, so wells were very valuable. Wells were private property. You couldn't take water from a well without permission from the owner. They weren't like public drinking fountains that anybody could use. Uh, they were private property. And they were, they were uh, fiercely defended. You know, in Numbers chapter 21, for example, uh, the children of Israel, they're on their journey through the wilderness, on their way to the promised land, uh, and they want to pass through the land of the Amorites. And so Moses sends a message to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, asking permission to pass through their land. And in his request to pass through the land, Moses says, we will not eat food from your fields, nor will we drink water from your wells. We're just going to pass through your land. We're not going to drink any of your water. It's not free water. You can't just drink from a well. Water was scarce. It was valuable in the desert. And a well was private property. It provided water for you and your family. You know, there's a, there's a great scene in the movie Lawrence of Arabia. If you remember, towards the beginning of the movie, uh, uh, Lawrence is with a guide out in the desert and they stop at a well and they steal water from the well. Uh, if you guys remember that scene, and as they're stealing water from the well, and off on the horizon you see this little dot and you realize it's a man on a camel that is coming towards them and it's the owner of the well, Omar Sharif. And from a great distance, Lawrence and his guide are standing there watching this person riding closer on a camel and then a shot rings out. And Omar Sharif shoots the guide for stealing his water, right? That's, that's what you did with a well. You didn't mess with a person's well. It's a big deal. Wells were very difficult to dig. They were very labor intensive. Uh, wells were dug by hand in ancient times, usually down through rock, using a hammer and chisel and buckets and ropes. And there is, by the way, a well at the ancient site of Beersheba that dates back to the time of Abraham, and it's known as Abraham's well, and it's believed to be the well that is mentioned here in chapter 21. And that well is over 220 feet deep through rock. It was carved by hand with a chisel. And can you imagine that? No, you can't imagine that. You've never carved anything with a chisel. Neither have I. Much less 220 feet. And so... By the way, there's still water in that well. And so here, Abraham rebukes Abimelech because some of Abimelech's servants have seized this well that belonged to Abraham. You know, Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And that's what Abraham does. He rebukes Abimelech. Now look at King Abimelech's answer. He's He's a king. He's a politician. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. He denies any knowledge of the incident. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. No one's told me about this the first time I'm hearing of it. That's what's called plausible deniability, right? Now watch what happens in verse 27. This is an important little detail here in the text. So Abraham took sheep and oxen And he gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Notice, it's Abraham 
who gave sheep and oxen to Abimelech. It wasn't the other way around, as we might expect. Abimelech didn't give sheep and oxen to Abraham, even though Abimelech, his men, have seized the well from Abraham. Abimelech is the offender, but it's Abraham who gives the animals for the covenant to Abimelech. Now, why? Well, Abraham gives the animals to Abimelech as a way of communicating his forgiveness of Abimelech. He's he's communicating forgiveness here by giving these animals, offering these animals to Abimelech. This was a common thing in that culture. If you remember in the New Testament, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Jesus made a point to seek out Peter. And he even tells uh, the women, he says, tell the disciples that I'll meet them in the Galilee and be sure to tell Peter. And then Jesus goes to the Galilee after the resurrection and he seeks out Peter. And do you remember when he has that encounter with Peter in John's gospel? He meets with him there on the beach, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And what did Jesus do? Jesus prepared a meal for Peter on the beach. And Jesus then invited Peter to come and eat with him. And it says that Jesus served Peter breakfast. What's that all about? Well, Jesus, by preparing a meal for Peter and serving Peter, was communicating to Peter forgiveness and reconciliation. To Peter, Jesus was saying, I forgive you. And they they showed that by sharing this meal and offering this meal to the offender. Uh, Even today, in a lot of Middle Eastern cultures, there's what's known as a reconciliation meal, where the person that was wronged prepares a meal and offers the meal and serves a meal to the offender as a way of communicating forgiveness. By the way, Jesus tells us that when we get to heaven, he's going to have us sit down and he's going to serve us a great big meal. Communicating to us forgiveness and acceptance by him. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Here, Abraham is the one who provides the animals to Abimelech to communicate forgiveness and acceptance to Abimelech. And it tells us here that Abraham and Abimelech, they made a covenant. They literally cut a covenant. Remember, we talked about this back in chapter 15. They would, they would take the animals and they would cut the animals in half and then lay the animal carcasses on the ground. And then both Abraham and Abimelech would walk through the middle of the carcasses that are spread out there on, on the ground. They would cut a covenant. By walking through the middle of the animal carcasses, they, they were saying, may God do this to, to me if I fail to keep this covenant 
with you. They were basically you know, asking God to, to, to kill me if I break this covenant that I made. It's a very serious thing. And then after that, after they would walk through and they would cut the covenant, you know what they did? They would barbecue the animals. <laughs> and then they'd have a meal, a barbecue together. Nothing says I forgive you like brisket, right? <laughs> so verse 28, then Abraham does something more here. Abraham set seven lambs of the flock by themselves and Abimelech asked Abraham, hey, what, what's the deal with these seven lambs which you have set by themselves? So he, he takes it a step further here. In verse 30, and he said, you will take these seven lambs from my hand and they may be my witness that I have dug this well. So he gives Abimelech seven lambs out of his own flock. Apparently, these seven lambs were, you know, had distinctive marks upon them, so they were easy to identify. And those seven lambs were a living witness that Abraham had dug the well and that the well belonged to him. So if there's ever any question who owns that well, Abraham could point to those seven lambs as proof that the well belongs to him. So those lambs were kind of like a, a proof of purchase or a receipt, physical reminder and evidence of who that, uh, who that well belongs to. Then verse 31, therefore he called the place Beersheba because the two of them swore an oath there. The name Beersheba means the well of the oath. This is where they made an oath. This is where they made a covenant. So this covenant, I want you to note this, this covenant involved three elements, a sacrifice, a witness, and an oath. And we find the same three elements in the covenant that God has made with us. A sacrifice. Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. A witness. God has given every believer the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us as a witness to us of our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1 says we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. So you have a sacrifice, a witness, and an oath, a promise. And what's the promise God has made to us? That I will remember your sins no more. That I have forgiven you. And you have eternal life. And God has also promised that one day he will come for us and receive us to himself and take us to heaven that where he is there we may be also. So our covenant has a sacrifice, it has a witness, and it has a promise. It has an oath, just like this covenant. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Pekol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then verse 33, then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in that land of the Philistines many days. Verse 33 tells us that Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. It's, the idea here is he actually planted a grove of tamarisk trees. And, and you might be thinking, so what? 
What, a, what an unimportant detail. Well, hold on. Any detail you find in the Bible, God puts it there for a reason. And God is trying to communicate something to us. Any, anytime you read something like this, you, you should ask the question, what does God want me to know by telling me this? What is, what is God communicating to me by telling me this? That Abraham planted a bunch of tamarisk trees. He created, Abraham created like a little oasis, if you will, uh, in the desert around his well by planting tamarisk trees. Now why, why tamarisk trees? What does that tell us? Well, let me tell you a little bit about tamarisk trees. Uh, tamarisk trees, uh, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't get any wood or lumber from them. Uh, so they weren't really used to build anything. Tamarisk trees were good for only one thing. Providing shade. Providing shade. But here's the important thing to know about tamarisk trees. They take a really, really long time to mature. Like 80 years to mature. Now, Abraham's over 100 years old when he plants these tamarisk trees. Abraham is not going to live long enough to enjoy the shade of these trees himself. You know, the Bedouins in the Middle East, they say, you don't plant a tamarisk tree for yourself, but for your grandchildren to sit in its shade. This is huge. This is a big act of faith. This planting of tamarisk trees. Abraham creates this little oasis in the desert. Over a hundred years of age. And he's planting trees and creating this little oasis in the desert. But it's not for himself. It's for the generations to come after him. For his descendants. Remember, God made the covenant with Abraham and God said to Abraham that to him and his descendants, he will give this land. And so by digging this well and then planting a grove of tamarisk trees, Abraham was communicating. Abraham was saying, I believe you, God. I believe your promises to me. I believe you've given this land to me and to my descendants after me. My family will live here. This will be their land. This will be their home. And my children's children will enjoy the shade of these trees one day, long after I'm gone. These trees will bring relief and comfort to my children's children when they are living in this harsh, hot, dry desert, long after I'm dead. Look at what he says in verse 33. We're told in verse 33 that after planting these trees, Abraham called upon God, it says, The everlasting God. This is the first time in the Bible that God is called the everlasting God. Abraham calls him the everlasting God because he has made an everlasting covenant with Abraham and his descendants. A covenant that is not just with Abraham, but with Abraham's children and grandchildren and future generations. I love this. He plants these trees. Not for himself, but for generations to come. For them to enjoy, for them to 
benefit from. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Are you planting tamarisk trees? What do you mean? What are you doing? What are you planting and preparing for future generations? Not for yourself. You're, you're doing plenty for yourself. <laughs> so am I. But what are we doing for future generations? For our children's children that will help them, that will bring comfort to them, that will bring relief to them in years to come. Maybe long after you're gone. What's the godly legacy you're preparing now for the future generations? Again, so often we focus on ourselves and providing for ourselves and doing for ourselves and we focus on today or we focus on this week coming up or this month uh, or we focus just surviving this dumpster fire of a year called 2020, right? We just want to get out of this year. But what are you planting now that will outlive you? That will outlive you. You know, it says in the Proverbs, Proverbs 13, 22, it says, a good man or a good person leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And that's not talking about just a financial inheritance. You're going to leave money for your grandkids. But a spiritual inheritance. An inheritance for your children's children, your, 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 your grandchildren. You know, you, you and I, we, we can plant a, a, a godly legacy. And your children, and in your grandkids, or if you don't have children, you don't have grandkids, you, you can do it in, in the children's ministry. Just, just planting godly seed in children. A godly legacy. Now, you know, I, I think about um, Rick and Karen in our church who, who, who teach in the youth ministry. And they don't have kids in the youth ministry. They're just planting tamarisk trees back there. That long after they're gone, hopefully the word of God that they have implanted in those kids, that it will still be with those kids when they reach adulthood and they're adults and they have kids, that they'll be able to use the Scripture that Rick and Karen put in their hearts years before. Ken and Heidi are in the youth ministry today. They don't have kids in that youth ministry. You know, there are people serving in children's ministry and teaching, teaching kids and teaching Scripture and, and they don't even have kids in the children's ministry. It's tamarisk trees. They're just planting tamarisk trees that decades from now, long after you guys are in glory, right? that's going to provide comfort and relief and shade in this desert of life. That, that those things that have been put there by grandparents or by somebody volunteering in a children's ministry, that it's, it's going to minister to them for decades and decades to come. You and I, we can plant tamarisk trees. Not for ourselves. And we may not be around to see it reach its full maturity and to see how it's a blessing to those that we've shared it with and we've planted it in. We have the opportunity to plant tamarisk trees in the lives of people 
for their benefit for years to come. He asked me how I know, and I say, brings truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Genesis. Although some might view Genesis simply as a historical account of genealogies, the undercurrent throughout this book entails a broader understanding of God's nature toward His people. You're introduced to God's care and concern for His creation, how sin stained what God had created, and what God intended to do to atone for the sin that overshadowed the world altogether. God's plan included a Savior that would envelop His creation in love and sacrifice that might seem incomprehensible to the average person. But God's ways are higher than anything that we as humans can understand. Yet He chose to come to our level anyway. That's a Creator God who's invested for the long haul. If anything about today's message has struck a chord with you, we'd like to talk with you. Please give us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. If you're not connected yet with a local church, we highly encourage you to find a church home that will help guide and support you in your growing faith. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Dan will have more to share from the book of Genesis next time, right here on Ring of Truth. Recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know his voice, and it only takes willingness and a conscious choice. You need not guess there's a ring of truth that is unmistakable, and knowing that you cannot find alone. And if you listen carefully, and sometimes even if you don't, you can hear the General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.